Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. Jesus said, whoever obeys my word will never see death. Now that's quite a strong and powerful phrase. I want to explore death. Now I know talking about death is something that's not very popular. For many of us it feels quite frightening and disturbing. And that's really perhaps an indication that it's something we should talk about to take away some of the fears. I'm recording this just before Easter and it will go live on Easter Sunday. So there's a kind of resonance to that. But in all honesty, that wasn't planned. It's just the way it's turned out. I think as Christians, we have lots of problems with death and lots of problems about talking about death. And over the last 50 or 60 years, it would appear that as Christians, we've become more and more embarrassed about talking about life after death. I was listening to a Christian leader just this very week speaking in a podcast where they said that they didn't believe that the emphasis on life after death was healthy and that we shouldn't be talking about pie in the sky when we die, but that rather we should be talking about how Jesus makes a difference now in our lives. Now, in one sense, I understand that and I do think it's really important that we talk about how Jesus makes a difference in our lives now. But nevertheless... Jesus does talk about death quite a bit. And we're going to look at some of the ways he talks about death in John's Gospel, just as an example, and try and glean some things. Well, why have we got embarrassed about talking about life after death? For about 300 years, maybe 400 years, the Western church emphasized the nature of hell as being eternal torment, and it's a little bit like pendulums, that when we swing one way, we swing back the other way too far out the other side. So the idea of eternal torture and this emphasis that God was continually making people feel uh, pain for eternity in the last century became very, very embarrassing to the church. Now, I think rightly so, because I don't think that's what the Bible taught or teaches. We'll come back to that in a moment. But like a, a pendulum swinging back, the result of that was to take us in two other directions, neither of which are helpful. One was and is the idea that actually everyone will be saved. Nobody will be uh, in hell and that everybody will get to be in heaven. And that's the reaction the other way against this sort of uh, idea of God cosmically punishing. Both concepts are unhelpful and not biblical, and we'll explore that in a moment too. And that led into the third swing of the pendulum out in a different direction, which is to stop talking about life after death altogether and just concentrate on the here and now. So I'm going to try and pick my way through it and try and, and look at that verse in a little bit more detail. The context is uh, Jesus talking to the crowd and they're wanting to kill him because he's been uh, suggesting that they're not true descendants of Abraham. And you can look at that in all the previous studies. And that's where we come in verse 51 to this verse. Whoever obeys my word will never see death. So we're going to ask ourselves, what does it mean to not see death? And what does obeying Jesus' word mean? So what does it mean to not see death? Does that mean that Jesus was implying that those who were listening to him wouldn't die physically? Now, 
if that is true, if that is what Jesus intended, and sometimes I come across people who are convinced that they won't die and that Jesus will come and, and, take, and return to earth before they die. But if that's true of these people that Jesus is talking to, then Jesus was wrong because they all did die. Or does he imply that they won't feel death? and that it, it, they won't notice it happening to themselves? Or is he meaning that they won't die spiritually? And if that is what he means, what is spiritual death? What does that mean? So we're going to try and explore what death is. So we're just going to go through a little bit of the way Jesus talks about death. And all I'm doing at the moment is going to look at John's gospel. We could expand it out, but we'll just stick with John's gospel and try and understand what he's teaching about death. We're going to start with the most famous verse of Jesus talking about death, that one which we haven't yet come to in our studies in John's, but we will come to. Jesus said uh, to her, to, to, um, to Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, anyone who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So he's spelling out a little bit more what he means in John 8 by saying never see death. He's saying you will die, but you will live. So you will live even though we die. So what does that mean? Well, we're going to unpack that in a few moments. That we will, our bodies will die, but we ourselves, our being, our essence, our soul, our spirit will not die, but live. In John 6, some of the verses we've already looked at in one of our previous studies, he says, whoever eats of the bread of life will live forever. This bread is my flesh, he says, which I will give for the life of the world. So he's saying that this life that is coming instead of death has been brought about or will be brought about through the death of Jesus, through his flesh. So we live even though we die and the life is brought by the death of Jesus. John 5, just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life. In other words, here he's spelling it out a little bit more clearly. People will die and then be raised. Just as um, the Father raises the dead and so the Son gives life. So we understand that Jesus has this expectation of a new life, the we will die, physically I'll die, our bodies will die, but our spirit, our soul will be raised and we will have a new life. We will be given a life that is eternal. It will last forever. John 6, my father's will is everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. This is an important part of the message of Jesus and in the whole of the New Testament, that everyone will die and then be raised at the end of time together and enter heaven together if that's our destination. So the dead are not ahead of us. We will be raised at the end of time. The dead are not in heaven alone grieving that we're not there. The dead are not in heaven 
watching us grieve and missing and mourning them. See, death to me carries three fundamental hurts and issues. One is that we fear leaving people behind. The other is that we fear the process and pain of death. And the third aspect is that we mourn those who have died. So those of us who are living are left. So death, if you like, has three real problems with it. There is the, 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 the cause of death that's a problem. There is our uh, leaving behind people that's a problem. And there is the, those who are left behind. What we're going to discover is that Jesus really addresses the first two such that he wants to say you don't need to worry about leaving people behind because you're going to enter heaven at the same time. And he says, I don't want you to fear the process of death because I have conquered and defeated it. And we'll see that in a moment. So all that's left is our grief here on earth. So the real pain of death is for the loved ones who are left here. And there we discover a God who wants to draw alongside and comfort and acknowledge our grief. But I think for me personally, in my own experience of grief, my grief is helped by the knowledge that the dead are not suffering my grief with me. They're not at their own funeral. They are not seeing the hole they have left. They are not seeing the tears. They are not watching the mistakes that we make and, and trying to impress upon us not to do that. Nor are they in heaven waiting with an empty seat. The New Testament's clear that we raised together and we will... When we die, the next thing we know is that resurrection. The Bible uses the metaphor of sleep. Could be time travel, whatever it is. We die and we don't see what's going on. Remember, Jesus said, don't, they will not see death. I don't think we see that waiting or that timelessness or that place. We go to be with Jesus at the resurrection at the end of time. So a little question for reflection at this point is what difference to our grief does it make to know that our loved ones are not alone in heaven? And I personally found that a comfort and that they are not suffering by watching our sadness. And again, I found that a great comfort. We will be raised together. We won't see anything in between. We will be raised together together. Now let's go back and look at Jesus and his teaching on death in John's gospel. Again in verse 5, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Now this is a glorious aspect. Once we are raised, if we have believed in Jesus, and we're going to explore that in a few moments, or if we've obeyed his word as John 8 has put it if we are in a relationship with Jesus, then we will not be judged. What does that mean? It means that at the end of time, he won't say, you have hurt and damaged and mistreated and neglected 
this person and that person and the following person. And he won't say to us, because of the things you have done, the life you have led, I cannot trust you in heaven to not repeat it. He won't say that because he won't be judging us. There is no remembrance of our sin when we are believing in Jesus. He comes and he looks at us and he says, come and be with me for eternity. Come and receive the new life that I offer. And so there is no fear in facing death. No fear in facing Jesus. But there is no judgment. There will be perhaps reward where he says, well done. Remember you did this and you wondered what the point was? Let me show you. Well done. Remember these folks criticized you and you found it difficult and you felt isolated and alone? Let me tell you, you did well. But nothing is recounted or recalled where I've done wrong. My sin is washed away. It is on the cross with Jesus. He has died in my place. So what difference does it make to us not to be judged for our sin? How much freedom can that give us that we can face death in confidence? We, we approach the throne of grace with confidence. I think it's Hebrews that says that. For we know that we will not be judged. Jesus himself has told us this. If we believe in him, we will not be judged. But what if we don't believe in him? A very familiar verse in John 3.16 says that if we believe in him, we shall not perish. The implication is clear that if we don't believe in Jesus, we would perish and not have eternal life. There's no concept here of being tortured. There's no concept here of existing eternally in suffering and pain. That was a medieval idea that entered Christianity. It was convenient for those in power to uh, continue to have people so terrified of disobeying the church. Now, the biblical model is one of destruction, that hell is a fire that destroys, it consumes And that that punishment for our sin lasts forever. The destruction, the perishing, the second death as Revelation calls it. The destruction that's used again and again, that word. is because God can't let me into heaven if I'm going to repeat what I did on this earth because I didn't see anything wrong with what I did on this earth because I saw it as everybody else's fault because I uh, felt that I was a good person. If I have no awareness of my sin, I can't have it removed. That's the key principle here. If I believe Jesus when he tells me that I've done wrong and that he tells me that I need him to be a saviour, then I am saved through my acknowledgement, my repentance, my recognition. But if I don't think I need it, if I think I'm good 
if I think actually God will let me in because I've done nothing wrong. It was everybody else's fault. All the problems in the world are caused by other people. Then I perish. I'm judged. It's explained to me. God will say, Donald, the reason I can't let you into heaven is because this was your attitude. This was the way you behaved. These were the words you used. These are the things you didn't do. These are the people you walked by on the other side of and refused to help. So you can't come in. And if I do not trust in Jesus, I will be judged and destroyed. As we looked at recently in John 8, because of my sins, he says to the crowd, you will indeed die in your sins if you do not believe. John 10 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. So we need to need to, to follow or to obey or to believe. These three different words we've used, we've seen in all these verses. This eternal life, this life without sin, this life without suffering, with this life without injustice, this life without uh, stealing and robbery and uh, violence, this life of eternal joy where there are no more tears, no more sadness, no more pain, this life where the beauty and wonder and glory of creation and the beauty of love lived out without selfishness, where all that God intended for Eden, that kind of life that will last forever is available to us all, where there are no regrets, no more sorrow. But he says three different concepts which are linked together to obey the word of Jesus, to believe, to follow. So what is obeying the word of Jesus? He's asked what is the most important thing and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and love your neighbour as yourself. To love God is to love humanity. And so the first thing to say is that God commands us to love. And love, Jesus says, is the new commandment, the greatest commandment. Um, just for a moment, I just want to ram home what that really, really looks like. Because again, it's easy to say, yes, I do love. I am a loving person. I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. I don't murder anyone. But we do not love when we have more than we need and than others have. We do not love when we harm the world that others live in through our accumulation or our lack of sharing or our lack of generosity. We do not love when we use words or actions that hurt others. And we do not love when we do nothing when others are being hurt. And we do not love when we pass on negative words about others. And we do not love when we treat others as sexual objects. And we only need to be honest with this random selection of explanations of what it means to love. We only need to be honest with ourselves just for a few moments and we come to the conclusion that we need a saviour. That none of us have been able 
to keep that commandment. That none of us have lived as heaven demands. And that all of us have, as Romans says, the book of Romans says, fallen short of the glory of God. We sinned. And so to believe in Jesus is to believe what he says when he says this is how you should live and by the way you haven't done it. So to obey the word of Jesus is to not only to try and seek to love and to follow and to copy and to do what he asks of us, but to get some way down that line and go, I need a saviour and I need that saviour, Jesus. And so that's why Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, what do we mean believe in me? We believe that the way of Jesus is the best way. The way of love is the best way. We will do all we can to love others. We will do all we can to make Jesus our Lord. We believe in Jesus, not only as Lord, but because we are fallen and needing the mercy and grace of God, we believe in Jesus as Saviour. When we baptise folks, we ask them that simple question, do you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? And that's what it means to believe in Jesus. I believe that his way of love is the best and I believe that he loves me and has saved me and died in my place. And when I say my place, I believe that my sins that I've committed are on Jesus. And when we believe in Jesus as the one to follow and as our saviour, we will live even though we die. This physical body will die, but we won't see the grief and the loss and the pain. We won't see a place of waiting or death. We won't see judgment. We will see a God welcoming us into heaven. We will not see destruction, the second death, perishing. And this is the glory of the resurrection. That as Jesus rises from the dead, he says... I am the one that can give you life and you do not need to see the suffering that your death has caused and you do not need to see eternal death. You need only see life. And when we die and close our eyes, there will not be bad dreams and bad things to see. We will awake and see Jesus, not death. So finally, what difference to our lives does it make that Jesus is the conqueror of death? How might we face death in a different way? How might we perhaps grieve less for those who have gone who we know we will be reunited with because they too loved Jesus? And how too might we fear less our own death and be ready to meet Jesus with confidence that the throne of grace welcomes us?
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life and we believe in you. We believe in your way of living and we believe in your love that will cleanse us from our failure. We believe that you alone can give life. You alone give the life that we do not deserve. Help us to live that life that we may save others who are perishing because we love you. Hear our prayer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.